Hey everybody, it's Ron Johnson and this is Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's a beautiful Friday. I am in sunny Lakeville. Why? Softball. So I got to do the show on location. The show don't stop. We don't stop. Can't stop. Won't stop. Reggie, you know about that one. But hey, I'm Ron Johnson. That's Luke Spinman, Sam Ekstrom. We got Reggie Wilson from CARE 11, news director, all things sports, the 6'5 power forward coming out of St. Louis, Missouri. Reggie Wilson, and then we got Luke Inman, the point guard, and then we got Sam X from the assistant coach. Well, he'll be the head coach for today, but again, I'm Ron Johnson. I'm your shooting guard, but this is Locked On Sports Minnesota. This is the Friday roundtable, and fellas, we got to get locked in on this menu. So what you got, Luke? Yeah, Ron, football's back. I want to know what this NFC North division is going to look like and get your guys' prediction going team by team today. Football, certainly the focal point, but Twins trade deadline coming up. How should they handle it? We're going to talk about that for sure. And we got some eyes on some things at training camp that I know the fans are excited to hear about. We're talking about our training camp observations today. Yeah, and I got to talk about Coach Fleck. I'm a golden gopher to die. I die for that maroon and gold. And Coach Fleck's under fire, but he fired back. That's what I always say. You got a big gun. You got to come out with a bigger gun. And Coach Fleck came out with one. We'll talk about that next on the Friday Roundtable. This is Locked On Sports, and I'm Ron Johnson. Let's kick it off with you, Reggie. What you got? All right. Well, no pads yet at training camp, but we still saw some good things at, at the, the Vikings training camp. Uh, two days worth of practices we've seen so far. You know, the biggest takeaway for me is everybody's healthy. We've seen injuries to Jalen Ramsey. Uh, the Joe Burrow thing was interesting yesterday. Uh, fans are now offering up their calves for him. <laughs> I don't, and the Bengals were like, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> but we plan. haven't, nothing significant. You know, you knock on wood for that. But uh, been a lot of high energy. We talked, I talked to Alexander Madison yesterday. He's excited about his role stepping up into RB1. He just says, like, you know, there are a lot of people that are not there anymore. He he certainly misses all the, the guys that he was used to seeing his first four years in the league. But he said the locker room is is tight. Like, it's, it's as close-knit as it's been since he's been there. And so he said he's looking forward to having a fun year with everyone. Uh, Daniil Hunter's there. He's he's not practicing, though, so we'll see how long that that lasts. Um, but I think what's been interesting to me is is Kirk Cousins looks good. You know, like it's a, it's a very, very small sample size, but he's done some pretty good things out there. He's throwing some dimes all over the field. Uh, yesterday, I remember there was like a trust throw that he threw to the sideline. Jordan Addison, I think it was Makai Blackman that was on him. And Addison just basically like strong armed the, the pass, like kind of one armed it, wrestled it as they were on the ground and and he came up with the ball and it was a, it was a trust throw that I don't know that we see Kirk cousins make. And so I think that that is probably the start of something that, you know, we, we see a little bit more confidence in Kirk cousins and, you know, some of those, those 50, 50 trust throws, like the, the throw in Buffalo that Justin Jefferson made on fourth and 18. Maybe we see a little bit more of that, but He's also spreading it around to a lot of guys. I saw him dumping it down, throwing to Madison, uh, throwing to his tight ends, getting both of those guys involved, Oliver and Hawkinson. So it's a it's an interesting thing. And then we also saw an interception yesterday uh, on the backup quarterback, not Kirk Cousins, uh, from Harrison Smith. 
that really kind of got the defense juiced up. So I think this is going to be a really interesting camp, and it's going to be a lot of great competition that we're going to see. Yeah, and, and I think it's imperative, Reggie, that the Vikings have a plethora of offensive options outside of Justin Jefferson, right? Like he's obviously going to get his, but you got to take the pressure off sometimes. And I've seen Jalen Naylor make big plays and he was, he was absent yesterday. We didn't see Jalen Naylor yesterday. Hopefully he's not hurt, but um, big plays from Johnny Munt, a lot of TJ Hawkinson catches. He's been an early star with some great grabs. Obviously Jordan Addison making plays, KJ Osborne making plays, and then the running back rotation, some Ty, Ty Chandler with the first team, Ken A. Wong with the first team. And then as Ron reported on the Minnesota football party, a svelte, CJ Ham and I actually asked Wes Phillips yesterday I said is there going to be an evolution at the fullback position now that you've really kind of committed to CJ and he said definitely we came in here as an 11 personnel team but but we have adapted our personnel to be a little heavier this year that includes CJ Ham so I think we are going to see a little more diversity within this offense based on what I've observed in these first couple days. Yeah, this one's for any of you guys. What's been the biggest surprise just from a depth chart lens you guys have seen thus far through these first two days of practices? Anybody starting with the ones that maybe kind of surprised you, took you back a little bit? I, I would say Jawan Williams. I don't know about you guys, but Jawan Williams, the, the corner from the Patriots, has been a starter these first two days with Andrew Booth firmly entrenched on the second team. So Jawan Williams getting the early look. He is huge, you guys. He looks more like a safety out there than a corner 6'3", 215. Ron, I know I pointed him out to you uh, when I saw you practice on Wednesday. He's a big dude, and I, I think that's one of the early surprises, certainly from a depth chart standpoint. And, hey, still a lot of Josh Metellus, too. That secondary, it looks formidable out there. I know they've got some shorter guys on the shorter end, but they're making up for it with – Josh Metellus and Jawan Williams looming large in that uh, in that box. I think it's interesting because uh, Brian Flores kind of looks like a mad scientist out there just with how he's mixing things up in the personnel settings. But it's interesting. He seems to kind of match uh, Kevin O'Connell's energy on offense. We were talking to Jordan Addison about what his role is going to be on the offense. And he's like, man, we really don't have like set positions that we play. We're, we're kind of we're kind of used all over the field. And it seems like Brian Flores is kind of doing the same thing. He's just mixing and matching. Just, you know, I think this early part of camp is them just kind of seeing what is what is going to happen with the guys that they have. They're like, okay, let's try it. We'll try this. We'll try that. Let's see. Let's see if this works. Let's see if that works. It's a lot of like tinkering. And I think, you know, as, as camp goes on a little bit more, we'll probably see a little bit more uh, solidified as far as the depth chart. But I think it's been interesting seeing how they mix it up with all the personnel. Yeah, for me, my, my training camp takeaway, to be honest, when I looked at it, Sam, you're right. Juwan, he looks big. But you know what? Lewis seen for me, like seeing him move around, look comfortable. Uh, he's not 100%. You can tell he's not really pushing off 100% on that leg. But, I mean, come on now. We saw how gruesome of an injury that was. Um, so just seeing him out there warmed my heart. Maybe I'm a little biased because he was one of the first guests on the Ron Johnson show from the Vikings. Uh, very willing to have conversations after the fact. He and I, every time I see him in the facility, uh, he's got something to say. Um, again, the C.J. Ham piece, Sam, I agree with that. Like, I'm glad Wes Phillips answered that question for you because I think C.J. Ham uh, losing that weight is going to make him faster. We already know he can catch. C.J. told me this. He said, man, if you look at fullbacks, and you look at my stats receiving, he said, man, I got like 700 yards receiving. Like, when I, when, the fact that he knows that, 
tells me this man is dialed into the passing game. Like he wasn't he wasn't shy about those seven hundred yards uh, he's got receiving. So you know he I think he realizes you know what like maybe I can be in the screen game. Maybe I can be like a huge check. Um, because that's that's what Hughes check looks like. He's a fullback that looks like a tight, or he's a tight end that plays fullback. And I think that's where CJ Ham and I said CJ Ham, you look tall. He said, man, this is my cleats. He said, but I put the extra long cleats on now, so I'm about six one with my cleats on. That's all that matters. They play on cleats, so six one with cleats. Hey, that man is a true Hughes check now, and, and I'm interested to see what Wes Phillips, Kevin O'Connell does. Speaking of mad scientists, I, I think you said that Reggie. I love what Brian Flores is doing. If you watch that Cam Bynum almost interception, Cam Bynum was at deep safety. He came up and robbed the flat. That is so hard Mm. for a quarterback on a five-step drop to realize that safety that I thought was back there is now over here. That's the kind of stuff that I think Ed Donatel didn't – like, it's innovation – and so that's why I'm excited about this team. But I think overall, uh, the Minnesota Vikings training camp is off to a great start. Uh, speaking of that, Reggie, I don't know if you guys remember this from uh, Katniss Everdeen when she was tribute. I feel like the Bengals fans are all out there like, I will be tribute. Take both my calves and save them if Joe Burrow needs them. I, I volunteer as Joe Burrow's tribute for calf. Like, take my calves, Lord, not his. Take my ankles, Lord, not his. I think the Bengal pews at church this Sunday are going to be full of people praying to give their calves up for Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, we hope that you're healthy though. And, and honestly, I pray across the league cause I'm sick of seeing that every time that comes across the ticker, that sucks. Like you don't want the season to be full of injury cause it ruins all the storylines. Here's another crazy one. If Joe Burrow is the Netflix guy, imagine what kind of drama we're going to get from Netflix. So what if Joe Burrow's lying about this injury just to make Netflix even better? So Patrick Mahomes won on a bum ankle. He's going to win a Super Bowl on a bum calf this year. Just watch. Netflix, Mm. you guys are doing Mm. your thing. I love the storyline. Great Hollywood. Great epicness. And we're all going to be sitting back eating popcorn like, I can't believe Joe Burrow's going going through training camp with one calf right now. I can't believe he's about to win the Super Bowl with one calf. Like, he's going to make up for it. But we got to move on, man. Uh, this is a fun show already. I love you guys' takes so far. But what you got for us, Luke? Oh, no, no, sorry. What you got for us, Sam? Yeah, just a, a brief pivot to baseball. Twins are playing better baseball of late. They lead the AL Central by a game and a half. Trade deadline Tuesday, August 1st. Now, I have long been the advocate for not being buyers. I think that there's a temptation here to give give up assets, try to bring in some help offensively, and I'm saying pump the brakes. I'm saying that this is just not a team that I think has earned the right to be buyers. I'm not sure that you're going to elevate yourself to be a World Series contender. Now, could you push yourself across the finish line to eke out this miserable AL Central? Yeah, you probably could, but I think you could also do that without Uh, buying without giving up my uh, key minor leaguers or a a corner outfielder, as some people are projecting. Uh, I think that the the twins should stand pat and not get too cute at the deadline. I know they already made one trade. They swapped out uh, kind of an aging reliever for an aging reliever. That was a little curious to me, but that wasn't really a big move. Uh, I would not do anything radical at the deadline. Just play with the guys you have. You do have a little momentum right now. That pitching staff is still pretty strong. Just roll with it. You don't need to weaken your minor league system anymore than you already weakened it last year. And for that reason, I think you just roll the dice and see what happens. Yeah, Reggie. 
Yeah, I think it's interesting because you look at the moves that they did last year and from like just like a thousand foot view, you're like, oh, okay, they they did they did good. Like this is this is a a great, you know, trade deadline for the twins. And then you look at all the guys that they acquired and you're like, dang. Then you look at the Cincinnati Reds mm -hmm. and you're like, wow. Ugh. So like all those guys <laughs> that they traded away are now contributing but not just contributing but they are like high level contributing to a team that is first place in the nl central right now so that that is a little like disheartening when you think about it so i can understand fans being like okay can we not can we just like pump the brakes a little bit before we think about doing this you know because it, it didn't work out well for us last year you know the the tyler malley trade man whoo that one was just that one was brutal, man. When you look at like where he is and then where the prospects are that they gave up to yeah. acquire him. Like that one right there is like the biggest one that sticks out to me. And so you wanna you wanna say that they'll just kind of like turn things around and and go on a streak and do well, but then like you see the the game against the Mariners the other day, and you're just like, I just don't know. That you know, Pablo Lopez left the game with a six-two lead. And they lost nine seven. Yeah. Like how how in the world does that happen? And and the bullpen continues to be. I, I can see if if you're gonna do anything, I can see maybe you're like, okay, can we get somebody in the bullpen? They traded Jorge Lopez for Floro uh, with the the Marlins. I don't. I'm not really sure what to think about that trade. Yeah. But that was the only thing to me that's like, uh, maybe they they try to get a bullpen arm. But like, just think of the cost. Like, what is it gonna cost them? And maybe you're like, I don't know. They should just stand pat. Yeah, three things nope. I'm looking at here. I mean, one, even if you made no moves, Sam's right. You're still in a great position to win the division. You sneak in the playoffs, see what happens. Maybe you get lucky, get hot, win a few games. Number two, Reggie's right. When you go back and look at the three or four big trades they've swung on and the amount of times they've completely whiffed, you brought up Tyler Malley, but Chris Paddock, Jorge Lopez, Emilio Pagan, et cetera, and then watch all these young studs they gave away start to go off. That starts to get in your head a little bit as a GM, and now you start to second-guess yourself a little bit more, and you make decisions based off emotions more than the analytics, not what you want. It's like going on tilt at the poker table. So I think Thad Levine just needs to chill out on the blockbuster moves for a minute, maybe recalibrate his game plan for a season or two, and more importantly, rebuild that farm system that he wiped out last year. And then three, maybe most importantly, you bring in a big name like Goldschmidt or Bellinger. I mean, yeah, you're going to find a spot for him, of course. But at whose expense? Right now, logjam in the outfield. DH is locked up with Buxton. The infield's loaded with current and future starters, Correa and Royce Lewis. The only thing, right, bullpen help. But again, after whiffing on so many trades last year, last thing I want to do is see them give away more young studs in their farm system and jeopardize the future. So just stand pat for now, continue to build for 2024, and hope you get lucky in these playoffs coming up in a few months. Well, yeah, man, I'm not going to act like I'm a big baseball mind. Uh, here's the thing I look at teams, and, and I always equate it to other teams. If, if the Twins feel like they have something going, unless, and I think you guys all named some great names, unless you can bring in a top arm, a guy that's going to be able to give you 10 to 15 full games like I'm talking about winning games like maybe getting in there give you some good innings it's not worth it because what they have going now instead of getting rid of prospects keep building uh I just feel like until the twins are willing to break the bank and spend money like the Yankees 
I don't know if it's ever really truly, truly, truly going to work. And I think that's the problem. Like you have to be willing to spend a lot of money and maybe this is not what the twins want to do. They want a small ball, use the least amount of money they can. And that's why they are where they are. But we got to move on, man. I got to, I got to, we got to move on. Uh, I know we got to word from our sponsors though. So Hmm. we're going to get to the next topic because I got to, because we're going to, we got training camp and we still got this coach flex stuff. So I want to get this coach flex stuff off next, but before we get heated about coach flex, we got to word from our sponsors. Yeah, let me tell you about FanDuel today and the great promotions they've got going on over there. So let's say you want to bet baseball. Twins are playing the Royals. You feel pretty good about the Minnesota Twins. Uh, They are minus 172 tonight with Sonny Gray in Kansas City. Okay, so you're a new customer. You go to FanDuel. You sign up. This is what you can get. You can put 20 bucks on the Twins. Get 10 times that bet in bonus bets back. Whether they win or whether they blow it against Kansas City and lose, that's 200 bucks in your pocket. You could also do 10, get 100, do 5, get 50. They'll give you 10 times your initial bet back in bonus bets, up to $200. One of the many great uh, promotions that they have at FanDuel, which is a wonderful place to wager. They've got all the lines, all the leagues, all the promotions. FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. They're America's number one sports book. They pay you instantly when you win. The interface is so easy to use. FanDuel, make every moment more. They're an official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, well, here we go, man. Like, I, I'm going to try not to get too heated about this. I'm going to try to be very... Uh, unbiased about this. But Coach Flex come under fire. We know that. There's an article out there. But Coach Flex fires back and says these are baseless claims. And here's why I go with this. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But he's 100% right. This is why. If you look at, and I'm not, and I hate to do this, but in America, in China, in wherever, any country, the high-performing people always get a little bit more leniency. Like Reggie Wilson at CARE 11 can show up and just absolutely do whatever he wants to do. We know that. <laughs> but Joe Blow, in turn, he can't do that. Like, mm-hmm. he can't walk into training camp at the Vikings facility and just talk to whoever he wants. So that same person might come back to work and feel like, hey, you guys don't appreciate me. You guys don't talk to me as much. as well. And that's what happens in college sports. You have 120-plus athletes. You don't have time as a head coach to deal with 120 plus athletes. So you have to create a culture. That's what PJ Fleck has done. We know elite is a part of his culture. So if you say you're doing good, he's going to say, oh, you're not elite. It's just a part of his culture. As far as the Fleck bank, everybody has something where you're able to pour into something to be able to get stuff, whether it's you get prizes, whether it's you get out of maybe conditioning, uh, we know that guys that pass the conditioning test don't have to wake up early the next day. We did that back in 1998. You pass the conditioning test on day one, you don't got to come back for day two. You're done. And that's what it's about. And so for some players that have to keep coming back at 6 a.m. every day, they probably were pissed off. Like, man, how come I got to keep coming back? Because you didn't run the test. And so for P.J. Fleck, it is basis. I just feel like some of these players are looking for a reason to cripe about it. And at the end of the day, it is what it is. And I know, Sam, one of the questions was, why does Fleck keep getting this criticism? It's because in Minnesota sports, we're just negative. We love to be negative here. It's never been positive. I'm not going to say names. I'm not going to say Roycey. I'm not going to say names. But people just love to be negative, and then they think that makes them famous by being negative. And that's just who Minnesota is right now. What you got, Sam? Hmm. Yeah, Ron, I, I, I too read the article, and – 
I thought it was mostly baseless, uh, as Flex said. Like, I think that players that are complaining about having to memorize acronyms or having to learn Flex Handbook, yeah, that's part of being in the program. Uh, hard practices, yeah, that's part of being in the program. Are there rituals? And I would say that Fleck is a very ritualistic coach. Like there are ver- there are certain things like clapping when he enters the room, repeating words back to him. Um, yeah, that is all part of his culture, right? So that might seem peculiar to some people. There's a hundred guys in there every year. Is it going to sit well with every single person? No. But again, there's nothing illegal about that, about having rituals and routines that you want your players to get into. He's trying to form these good habits among his players that so they're all very cohesive, right? I think there were two things that he had to answer for, and he did that at his press conference yesterday. One of them was overlooking drug tests with the Fleck Bank, right? Uh, and he said that, no, the Fleck Bank is never really a thing. The Fleck Bank was something that we referred to as if you do the right things, you will get rewarded for it and have a good experience. Uh, the second thing was using physical activity as punishment, or I think the article alleged that people had threw up from doing burpees as punishment. And Flex says, no, we never do that. In fact, that we have other punishments, not physical activity, that our entire athletic department models itself after. So again, if Fleck is telling the truth about that, then I don't think there's anything to look at here um, because he seems to have an answer for everything that was thrown at him that was maybe bordering on illegal or against policy. So I I think that the, the athletic department has the, his support. I think that this is probably a big nothing burger in the end. There are some disgruntled people in that program trying to make Flex life very miserable. And we, we've seen these before. It might be the same people that keep sending this story out into the universe. Yeah, not too much that. You guys kind of hit on the specifics. I'll just say, in general, PJ's always going to be that loud, energetic, emotional person when he's out there. And anytime you put yourself out there, like he has over the years, trying to build that new culture up from the ground up, you become very vulnerable and susceptible for others to scrutinize you and put you under the magnifying glass, even when it has no merit. I think Ron nailed it. I think anytime anyone's in that spotlight, and has a little bit of success, there's always going to be a few people who come out of the woodwork and just try to bring you down. That's just the way the world works, unfortunately. Um, personally, I don't look at PG any different or in a negative light now after this. I think the huge discrepancy and contrast of people who speak so highly of him and have come through that program versus this small, minor backlash kind of does all the talking for him, right? And I think as long as he's in the spotlight, Comes with the territory, there's always going to be a few people that just want to critique his process. I don't think there's a lot he can really do, but go out there and just be the same person he's continued to be, having a positive impact on the team, the players, and the community, like he always has these six years he's been here. Yeah, I since I've been here in Minnesota, I've always just thought uh, PJ was just a weird dude, like just a <laughs> peculiar guy, like a like just a straight. He's just he's a little off. He's, he's just—he's a little off, okay. So like, don't don't try to act like he ain't because like it it like you could tell you could tell like, but I don't think that I don't think that that means that he's like a terrible person. I just don't know if he's. I don't know. I don't really have a read on the guy. I just think that he's just. I don't know. Like uh, yesterday, I was looking at Twitter and Pat Forty called him. Um, a gimmick king. And I think that that probably that probably checks. Like there's a lot of buzzwords and 
you know, a lot of things that that he does that you're like, oh, that's a little cringe. You know, you got to be elite and, you know, all these different things. And and so I think, you know, one of my friends, uh, we were talking about it and he was like, you know, I don't think there's anything that is like wrong or like illegal that PJ Fleck was doing. He was just like, he he looked at like the dictionary of terms and, and PJ Fleck's like Rolodex, if you will, that he, you know, tells the team and all that. He's just like, if anything, he's just like kind of cringy. But other than that, like, I don't, I don't think there's too much of a problem. So like, I don't want to downplay like these guys experiences who have come out and, and spoken out against what Fleck has done. Maybe that's just his style is just not their style. And, they they just kind of take uh, offense to it, but I don't know. It seems to have worked, and all the people who have come out to like defend PJ Flex since this has happened, it just it's it's hard to to take a side and say like, oh yeah, like this dude is corrupt because like I used to cover Ohio State, and I was there when Ohio, when Urban Meyer was there, and some of the stuff that that happened there with his his assistant wide receivers coach and some of the stuff that he kind of kicked under the rug and and those reports and stuff like that like i've seen some corrupt stuff before with a program and this Mm -hmm. just doesn't necessarily seem like it but like i said i don't want to downplay these guys experiences he just may not be their cup of tea his style just may not you know it, it may clash with how they think football is supposed to be but that that's just pj style it's just a little it's just a little weird that's all well, here's where I go before we get out of here. We got one more topic, people. We got to talk about the NFC North. We're always going to make a quick prediction. We're not going to go too deep into this. This is earliest training camp. We just want to get some ideas out there, what we think about the Lions, Bears, Packers. Uh, but for those watching on YouTube, we thank you guys for continuing to download, like, share, subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota. Also, Amazon Fire and Roku. You can get all of our shows on those devices. And then SiriusXM, proud partner of Locked On Sports. Just make sure you go to the SXM app. So we are very thankful for all of our partners, our digital streaming partners, and our content partners as well. But here's what I'll say one thing, Sam. I like what you said. Physical, physical punishment. As a society, we have gotten soft. If you do something wrong, you should be punished. If you have to run, okay. If you got to roll, okay. If you got to run back and forth on the football field, do it. Here's the reason why. Because so many people get in trouble and they don't have consequences because their families and their parents continue to, like, get them out of stuff. And then we have the issues that we have now with people not wanting to be held accountable. It's about accountability. When I played, I didn't even do anything bad. I fumbled a ball against uh, Houston because I was, like, like, I held it in one hand like I was Keyshawn Johnson. I fumbled. They made me run the field with a football and do like basically up downs. I had to run. I had two footballs in both hands and I had to just hit the ground, get up, hit the ground. Then I had to bear crawl the whole field. Like, and then what did I do? I never, oh, and I celebrated too, I think. I didn't fumble. I, th- I remember I celebrated, I like threw the ball and spun it or something. I never did that again. I never did that again. Why? Because I knew what the consequences were and it wasn't something I should do. So that's the problem. And I didn't even smoke weed, I didn't go out and get a DUI. I just, like, I think I celebrated or fumbled. I can't remember which one it was. But, yeah, I never did it again. Never, ever did it again. So, consequences, people. Consequences. There's going to be issues. You're going to have a consequence. All that stuff to me just sounds like football. 
I hate to say it, sports and football, that's what it's about. You're dealing with 122 men, and you got to keep them all under control. Well, it's time to predict this NFC North. And so we're going to start with the Packers. Who has the Packers? I've got the Packers. So, Ron, you you kind of hatched this idea the other day when, was it CBS Sports who had the Lions winning the division at 11 and six, and then they had everybody yep. else at seven and 10. And you were like, we gotta, Correct. we gotta look into this. We gotta decide whether this is actually legit. So they've got the right. Packers at seven and 10. And you know what? I kind of just went through in my head, looking at their schedule. And I think seven and 10 is pretty good for the Packers because they've got a, there's a tough stretch there middle of the season where they've got uh Denver on the road, uh, Minnesota, both Los Angeles, Pittsburgh on the road, Detroit on the road, Kansas City on the road, um, or sorry, Kansas City at home, New York Giants on the road. Like they've just got a really tough November. And I don't think that Jordan Love is good enough to assume that he can really beat any of these middling teams either. Like, okay, can, can they beat Las Vegas? And well, yeah, they can, but are they guaranteed to? No. Like I with Aaron Rodgers, you could chalk certain games up to wins. You would just circle them and say, guaranteed win. Detroit coming into Lambeau, it's over. Don't even need to play the game. Can't do that anymore with the Packers. I think that 7-10 and 10 is actually a very fair projection for Green Bay, and I think they might even win a couple meaningless games late, like Tampa, Carolina, Chicago, but I think they could be out of this thing by the, the start of December. Wow. And what's your, so you got them at 7-10 this time? 7-10, yep. Okay. And who has the Bears? We know Reggie's got the Bears. What you got, Reggie? So, I don't know what to think about the, the, the Bears. There have been a lot of positive reports coming out about the connection from Justin Fields to DJ Moore. And I do think that they are going to ball. I think this is going to be one of the most highly competitive six or seven win teams of the NFL this season. Like, I still don't think that they're all the way there. I, you know, I they just paid Cole Komet. Nice deal. We talked to TJ Hawkinson about that the other day. Like, he's like, ooh, that was that was nice. Like, I'm paying attention. Um, but they got Chase Claypool. Not really sure what to think about him sometimes. Like, he can be good, but it's just the want to with him, I feel like, sometimes. They have a head coach who is defensive-minded, so he's always going to try to take care of the defense and – and make sure that they're playing at a high level. But they have lost a lot of pieces over the last few years trying to rebuild that thing up. And so I think that, you know, the offense is going to be improved. Fields is going to be improved as a passer. But I still don't think they have enough to truly, truly compete and and win enough games this year. So I I see them being like a six or seven win team. But playing everybody close, kind of maybe taking the form of the Lions last year um, in this division this year. Wow. Okay. Vikings, what you got? Yeah. Good news and bad news for this team. Bad news is you got a first place schedule now. So last year, think about it, outside of Roger, the only elite quarterbacks he had to face was Hertz and Josh Allen. This year, you got the eighth hardest schedule in the NFL. First five games alone, Mahomes, Hertz, Justin Herbert, and the number one overall pick, Bryce Young. Plus throw in a Joe Burrow, Justin Fields twice. He's going to get better. Russell Wilson, five primetime games. It's a gauntlet on paper, the schedule is. Number two, we know they're not going 11-0 in one-score games again. Here's the good news, though. You just won 13 games with one of the worst defenses in the league. And maybe this is a hot take, but I think going from Donatel to Flores alone 
is worth at minimum two extra wins. That's how good he is. And that's how much I think coaching matters in this league. And then lastly, on paper, they got all the makings of a top five offense. And maybe they got to win a lot of games 51 to 50. But you add everything up. I think they can hit their over in Vegas, which is sitting at eight and a half games and go nine and eight when it's all said and done. That's what I've got them at right now. Two days into training camp, Ron. Oh, man, this might have been the hardest, like, I don't know why I picked the Lions. I'm from Detroit, so I just had to do it. And I was I went into this like, there's no way. There's no way. And here's why I say where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's a Dan, there's a way. And I found the Dan. I hate to say it, fellas. Luke, if you have the Vikings at 9 and 8, I got the Lions at 10 and 7. Ooh. Here's why. Look at this schedule. And, and again, I, I could be wrong, but they're going to lose to the Chiefs to start the season. But it's the opener. The opener has been very weird. There's a chance they could beat the Chiefs, but I'm going to have them losing to the Chiefs to start the season because the Super Bowl champs. Because we always know that Super Bowl hangover is always weird to start the season. And there's always mm-hmm. drama with the former Super Bowl champions. And so that might be a win. But I, I gotta, if they win that one, they're going 11 and 6. But I've gotta, I got that. Right. Seahawks, Falcons. Packers, Panthers, Bucks. What? That's five wins right there. So then after that, I got them losing to the Vikings twice, but that's it. I got them beating the Bears and the Packers twice. I don't think the Packers and the Bears are going to split with the Lions this year. So at this point, if they beat the Chiefs, they have a chance to be 11 to 6. I got them at 10 to 7, fellas. So the Lions, right now, the way the Locked On Sports Roundtable crew, crew has done it, Locked On Minnesota, we got the Lions winning the NFC North. The Lions are going to be NFC North champions, but at 9-8, and eight, and I did go through some other teams, and I talked about this, the Vikings will be the 13th seed at 9-8. and eight. They will make the playoffs at 9-8, and eight, and maybe, mm-hmm. maybe backing into the playoffs like that might be better for them than going in as a favorite. Maybe backing in will show them they have, a, they have to have a dog in them to win this. But we got the Lions at 10-7. and seven. We got the Vikings at 9-8. and eight. We got the Packers at 7-10. We got the Bears at 6-11, and 11, maybe 7-10. and 10. So I, I gotta I gotta apologize on this Friday to CBS. You guys were kinda right. You were kinda <laughs> right. You were kinda right. Uh the, and, and Reggie and, and Luke, some context to it. There's percentages for all the teams. They say the Lions have the highest chance to win the Super Bowl out of the NFC North teams. They have them the seventh best option in the NFL this year to win the Super Bowl. The seventh best team to win the Super Bowl. They have the Vikings as the 13th. So based off these numbers. They're kind of right. They got the Bears and they got the Packers with no chance, 0.5%. So, hey, it is what it is, fellas, but this is the Locked On Sports Minnesota Friday Roundtable. It was a great show. Uh, what do you guys think about the Lions winning this North? Really quick, 30 seconds, Sam. Yeah, I mean, that's the betting favorite, right? We've been talking about it all summer. Can they actually live up to expectations for once in their franchise's history? And I, I it feels like... The answer could be yes. Now, there's so much that still has to happen. I don't know who's going to play receiver for them. They've got guys suspended. They just traded for Denzel Mims. There's issues there. It's not all perfect. But um, I think that the division, like, I mean, everybody's got flaws, right? The Vikings have uh, this changeover on defense. Packers lost their quarterback. Bears are still mid-rebuild. So the Lions are just like the the furthest along, I think, in their progression where they are actually ready and poised to win across their roster, their quarterback, their coordinator. Their, like Everything's in lockstep with their plan. So it's hard not to like them to win the division. 
Yeah, you with, just with rip Bitcoin. off that schedule like you mentioned, Ron. I mean, holy smokes, you compare that side by side by the Vikings schedule, it's night and day different. And I think the Lions really, you go through the whole thing, only got four or five really tough games you look at and go, all right, that one's going to be tough to come away with a win. But outside of that, and granted, you still got to go out there and prove it, and you got to go win those games you're supposed to. But you're right, the schedule definitely favors the Lions. Talked about uh, Dan Campbell, that relationship between a coach and a quarterback. All right, maybe Campbell's not the most offensive genius, right, or quarterback guru, but the secret sauce in Detroit, Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, arguably the hottest offensive coordinator in the league right now. He's going to have that offense and Jared Goff rolling. Uh, it's going to be interesting, Ron, to see the Lions near the top by the end of the 2023 season. I'm just going to say no. Until Reggie's I see it. <laughs> Until I see it. It's the Lions, bro. Like, I just I can't see it. I just can't see it. They got all this hype. They finished the year well. I don't think they should have let go of Jamal Williams. I'm not really sure what uh, adding Montgomery and losing Williams really does for that team, for that that roster. You know, they they drafted the the running back Jameer Gibbs high. I I don't really know. I don't know, man. I think I think I think it's a little too too confident with them. It's a little. It might be a little arrogance too, and they haven't done anything yet. Well, I I just say you know what? Once a lion. Always a lion, and sometimes the lions will lion. That might happen this year, but I know Pat McAfee's excited about it because he said he's going out to Lions training camp to do a show. So I don't know if everybody's buying the hype, but it's out there for Vegas. I'm going to put my money with FanDuel with the Vikings. I'm going to pick the Vikings over wins on FanDuel because I think that's more likely to happen than the Lions winning the Super Bowl. But I'm Ron Johnson. That's Sam Mextrum. That's Luke Inman. That's Reggie Wilson. This is Locked On Sports Minnesota. This is the Friday Roundtable, and have a great day.